NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Off turn number four, white flag is in the air. Everybody clean and green. White flag is out. Next flag will end the race by half a truck length. It's Christian Eckes on the inside. The three wide for the lead. Battling for the lead. Christian Eckes down on the low side. We've got Ross Chastain way up top. Eckes slides up the racetrack now. They're still wheel to wheel. And here comes John Hunter Nemechek who made it three wide in turn one. Eckes dropping back. Here comes Chastain after a push from Grant Infinger. He'll lead by two truck lengths in turn four. John Hunter Nemechek went three wide to the bottom, but he's not going to get there off turn four checkered flag in the air ross chastain wins the north carolina education lottery 200 in a dramatic three wide double overtime finish nascar live is brought to you by lou emu maximum pain relief the official pain relief cream of nascar it works fast and you won't stink and by toyota for the latest toyota racing information visit toyotaracing.com from the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we are gearing up for the first ever NASCAR Cup Series race at Worldwide Technology Raceway in Gateway. That's just across the Mississippi from downtown St. Louis. We're going to chat with track president Curtis Francois about the transition they've made from truck racing and Xfinity racing now to its first ever NASCAR cup series race. Kurt Becker is going to walk us through the history of racing at gateway. And it's a history that goes all the way back to 1997. Now, while there are big doings in gateway, there's also big doings in the Pacific Northwest because for the first time in 22 years, NASCAR is going to make its way back. We're racing at Portland international raceway on the road course this weekend out West the NASCAR Xfinity Series will take center stage out there. Our very own Fred Armstrong will tell us about the strong history of racing in the Pacific Northwest. Plus, A.J. Allmendinger is the only active driver who has won at Portland. He'll join us on this week's show. We'll preview the race weekend and a whole lot more. But first, to get us started, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike Phoenix Raceway track president Julie Giese has announced that the track's grandstand seating has sold out for this fall's NASCAR Cup Series championship race. While grandstand tickets are no longer available, a select number of standing room, hillside seating, and fan shield infield experience tickets remain. All three of NASCAR's national series will crown their champions in Phoenix on November 4th, 5th, and 6th. 
And the track, along with NASCAR, has announced that the Phoenix One Mile Oval will continue to host championship weekend through at least the 2023 season. Phoenix has been home to the championship events since 2020. And Goodyear is conducting a tire test this week at the Michigan International Speedway in advance of the race weekend on the two-mile oval, August 6th and 7th. Drivers at the test include Bubba Wallace for 2311 Racing, Austin Dillon for Richard Childress Racing, and Joey Logano for Team Penske. The two-day test will conclude on Wednesday afternoon. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Curtis Francois, the president of Worldwide Technology Raceway, will join us. And later, Kurt Becker will stop by with some history of some racing at that very track. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. So glad you're spending your Tuesday night with us here on the Motor Racing Network. It's a big weekend of racing coming up this weekend just across the Mississippi from downtown St. Louis. We're going to be at Worldwide Technology Raceway for the first time ever for the NASCAR Cup Series, but it's not a new NASCAR venue. We'll connect all of these dots together as we're joined on the Zoom hotline by track president Curtis Francois of Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Curtis, welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are we doing today? Oh, we're doing good, Mike. Great to be with you. It's an exciting week. Can't wait to talk about it a little bit. Well, we've got lots going on. First of all, we keep mentioning this is the first time the Cup Series will be racing at Gateway. How long has this moment taken to get us to right where we are right now? Well, the, you know, this is the big one. This is the one we've been waiting for in St. Louis for really, Mike, back 25 years ago when the track was originally built. Uh, I think folks were hoping to see a cup date at some point. So, you know, fast forward, here we are 25 years later from, from that. And uh, uh, I would like to say that the fans are in a fever pitch. Um, a sellout's imminent here. Um, and uh, it, it's just, there's just tremendous excitement to see NASCAR coming to St. Louis and to, to really, for the first time, uh, experience all that that means for our city. For the final time off turn four, it's Kyle Busch here in Gateway. Kyle Busch will pad his points lead here this evening. It'll be his 27th career victory, his sixth of 2009, and his first ever at Gateway. Well, let's back up. Let's talk about the history of the racetrack. It started in 1997 with the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Trucks came a year later in 98. But then everything came to a halt in 2010 and never picked back up until you and your team came in in 2014. At the end of that 2010 season, the track went dormant. What did you see in that facility that made you want to bring it back to life? Uh, there's a couple things there, Mike, for sure. One, it was uh, it was a relatively new facility. It was only 13 years old. And so, you know, just looking at that from a practical standpoint, I said, well, how bad can it be? Uh, and, and once I got into it, it really wasn't at all. There was nothing really to do with the facility that, that was problematic. Uh, there was infrastructure things. We needed more parking uh, and we needed more camping and we needed you know more of this, that and the other. 
but over the last decade, I've solved all of those problems. We've moved from uh, the facility was about 170 acres when I purchased it. It's now close to 700 acres. Uh, you know, we have 1,200 new campsites, uh, a golf course next to the racetrack, uh, and many, many, many more improvements that people are going to get to see firsthand when they join us on uh, the 3rd through the 5th. Well, we got notes over the offseason that you had spent a lot of money. You've upgraded the facility. You've obviously expanded it 600 acres or so, like you just mentioned just a moment ago. What what all is there to do? I know there's drag racing. You mentioned golf. There's oval racing. You got you know you've had go karts in the, in the infield. It's not just come in, sit down, watch an event. There's so much to do. What will greet fans when they pull onto the property here this weekend? Well, I think if you haven't been here in in, in you know since 2010, uh, you're going to see a facility that that the, the grandstands are about the same. The rest of the facility does not look the same at all. Uh, it, it, first thing you'd notice is just the footprint is just, you know, much, much, much larger. But then practically speaking, everywhere that our fans interact with, uh, from the time they get out of their cars until they're in their seat has been in some way changed, updated, modified, renovated, all the things that are, are directly related to that fan experience. And that's what we've been doing for the last decade. Mike, it's been important to us to make sure that the fans that come to Worldwide Technology Raceway recognize that we care about them. Uh, we're building a racetrack for them. And, and that has resonated. Now that grassroots motorsports base, that fan is what has enabled us to build the big crowds that ultimately led to this, the, the big one, the big race, the cup date. You know, there's a lot to be made about the the southeastern portion of the country, the northeastern portion, the Midwest or the uh, the West Coast swing. But let's talk about the Midwest. There is a corridor of racing that runs right down the heart of this country, which you are a part of. Some folks will put Michigan in there, Indianapolis, and maybe stretch it down, maybe even curve it over into Bristol just a little bit. Kentucky used to be on the scene. Where are we as far as racing in the Midwest, not only on the national level, but on the local level as well? Well, as you may know, we've certainly been involved in that grassroots uh, track support over the years. Uh, we have multiple tracks within you know 45 miles of the racetrack that have vibrant dirt racing crowds and, and, and series. Uh, and that, that's just been a part of us because I'm a racer. I mean, I, I like all of that. So those guys are my friends. And, and since the very beginning, they've been a big part of what we've been working on. Uh, you know, we've been working with the Chili Bowl for years. So, you know, at the end of the day, Mike, we, we love racing. We generally understand what racing fans like because we, we look at it through our lens of what we would enjoy. And so that's the track we've created. And, and it really has been neat to see how that 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 support of all of the the grassroots guys that have gelled around what we're doing and you know we're just hopeful that when they come out on june the 5th that uh they're becoming long-term fans of cup racing and and that's really our goal is to build a track that is a favorite of racers and fans alike it has been quite the journey that will lead us obviously to the enjoy illinois 300 for the nascar cup series on sunday the 22nd race for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series on Saturday. What all will await folks when they pull onto the property and perhaps maybe those that will pick up a ticket or two and join in a potential sellout crowd on Sunday? Yeah, so I think, you know, one thing is for certain that a sellout is coming. And 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 that is, so you're going to see a very vibrant, vibrant uh, uh, 
collection of folks and just really a really great opportunity to enjoy in a happening, not just a just a, a race event. Uh, I think, you know, the big thing that you would add to this is that we've added the Confluence Music Festival to this offering. This was something that we did after people bought tickets. We just added this in as a um, added value. And so you're going to see the big headliners. We're going to have Old Dominion and Nelly, Cole Swindell, Jimmy Allen, Cameron Marlowe, and close to uh, 25 more than that. So about 30 different artists there. So it's going to be tremendous. You'll see the the renowned St. Louis Symphony playing uh, for our uh, Star Spangled Banner. Um, just things that you don't normally see is what you would expect to see uh, at our event. We try to make it a little bit different uh, and make sure that it's a memorable experience for everyone. And hopefully we hit that target. It is one of the most looked forward to races of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season. It will be at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway this weekend. How do folks go about getting tickets? Well, I think you better call the office because we're short, short supply. So uh, you can call us at 618-215-8888. Uh, and that's going to be the way to get tickets. I think that uh, on the website, we're about out of tickets there. So, um, you know, call and plead your case, but it's time to do it right now. It's uh, it's really going to be exciting for the first ever, first ever sell-out out at Worldwide Technology Raceway. We can't wait to get there. We appreciate you and your team being congenial hosts. And no doubt there'll be a lot of smiles on faces once we get done and throw the checkered flag on Sunday. Appreciate the time as always, Curtis. All right. Great to be with you, Mike. That's Curtis Francois. He is the president of Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, our destination this weekend for the Enjoy Illinois 300 Motor Racing Network airtime 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday afternoon. Coming up, we'll go back through the history of racing at Gateway with Kurt Becker. And later, we'll preview the entire race weekend. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to YouTube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. While this is the first time the NASCAR Cup Series will race at Gateway this weekend, NASCAR's been going there for a number of decades. Kurt Becker is here with a different version of NASCAR history. The NASCAR Cup Series will race for the first time at the Worldwide Technology Raceway near St. Louis on Sunday afternoon, but there is no shortage of history for the sport at that track. The facility was originally built in 1967 as St. Louis Raceway Park as a drag racing venue, and then in 1985, a 2.2-mile road course was constructed on the property that hosted ARCA, IMSA, and Trans Am races. But in 1994, nearly 30 years after being built, the layout changed for the facility was purchased and demolished, making way for a new mile-and-a-quarter oval. In 1997, construction was completed, and many of the biggest racing series in the world started to make the pilgrimage to the Gateway of the West. NASCAR's first trip there was in July of 97 for an Xfinity Series race won by Elliott Sadler. Sadler, conservative, into the corner. He rotates it down to the bottom of the racetrack. Here's Elliott Sadler with Jason Keller now. Two car lengths off his back bumper to the finish. Keller has run right up on 
Elliott Sadler's back bumper. He looks down to the inside as they come to the stripe, but Elliott Sadler will hang on over the final laps and score the win in the Gateway 300, the first NASCAR Bush Series event at Gateway International Raceway to the younger of the Sadler brothers, his third win of 97. The track became an annual stop for both the Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and became a playground for drivers who would eventually become legends of the sport. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. are among the names who took the checkered flag at the track before they stepped into the Cup Series. 45,000 people have come to their feet, hands and hats waving down the front straightaway as Dale Earnhardt Jr. rockets across the start-finish line, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. has won the CarQuest Auto Parts 250. Final corner for Kevin Harvick. Here he comes down the front straightaway. Fans on their feet, and the checkered flag is in the air. Win number one for Kevin Harvick in the NASCAR Bush Series. He scores the victory in the CarQuest Auto Parts 250 at Gateway. Unbelievable performance for Chance 2 Motorsports and Martin Truex Jr. He wins the Charter 250, his second win in the last three weeks. While the track is more than a mile in length, it often tends to race more like a short track and has lent itself to many controversial moments. The biggest of those was in 2010 when Carl Edwards and Brad Keselowski got together in the final turn. Side by side for the lead and for the win and they make contact! Keselowski goes into the outside wall and Carl Edwards wins the Missouri-Illinois Dodge Dealers 250 and Keselowski takes not one but two hard, hard sledgehammer shots at the start-finish line. Everyone trying to dodge left and right to get around his car. He was stuck right in the middle of the racetrack and Keselowski's battered machine still sets in the middle of the speedway just beyond the start-finish line. An incredible conclusion to the Missouri-Illinois Dodge Dealers 250. Yeah, Brad just, um, he just got into my left rear and, and took the, the lead from us and uh, I just couldn't let him steal it from us. So uh, we got the win and I'm, I'm proud of my guys and just pretty dramatic. I was hoping that it wouldn't be that way. I was hoping we'd just uh, have a good clean race. You know, I was really proud of how we were racing each other. He was holding me tight and getting me a little loose, which is cool. And I was rubbing on him just a little bit and uh, it was just great racing. And, um, you know, it was great racing and I figured out a way to beat him. And he wasn't happy with me, so he wrecked me. So uh, wrecking down the straightaway is never cool, whether it's uh, at 200 mile an hour or 120. And I'm sorry that was the way it had to end. Unfortunately, later that year, it was announced that the track would be closing. That closure did not last long, though, as the track reopened in 2012 under the leadership of Curtis Francois. Francois finalized the purchase of the track in 2013, and NASCAR returned the following year for a truck series race won by a youngster known as Bubba. Wallace drops the Toyota right down to the bottom of the racetrack. Jeroga looking to the inside. Wallace trying to slam the door shut off of four. Jeroga is there. Bubba Wallace trying to hold the middle of the racetrack. Here they come out of turn four, back to the straight, and Bubba Wallace picks up the victory in his first ever visit to the Gateway Motorsports Park. Since the return to the track in 2014, the Truck Series event has been dominated by young drivers who have now made their way to the Cup Series. One year ago at Gateway, it was the track record in qualifying for Cole Custer. Tonight, it's the checkered flag. He wins the Drive-In for Lineman 200 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and scores his second career win. Here comes the field off turn number four for the final time. The checkered flag is out for Christopher Bell, who wins for the second time in his career. 
both wins coming in green white checker finishes he will take the victory in the driving for lineman 200. ross chastain was singing the blues in iowa last weekend he'll be singing a happier tune in st louis tonight he wins the car shield 200 for the nascar gander outdoors truck series now the nascar cup series travels to the track for the first time this weekend to experience what promises to be great racing in an area rich in motorsports history Thank you, Kurt. Coming up, we'll preview the racing weekend at Gateway and at Portland for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And later, our very own Fred Armstrong will take us through the racing history in the Rose City. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. It's a weekend of first for NASCAR all around as the Cup Series is headed to Gateway for the first time. The Xfinity Series will make its debut out west in Portland. And Kyle Ricky is back with a preview of the entire racing weekend. The Cup Series now heads to the Gateway of the West and Worldwide Technology Raceway for the very first time. The NASCAR Xfinity Series and Camping World Truck Series have raced at the 1.25-mile oval off and on since 1997, but this will be the inaugural event for the Premier Series. This weekend will feature some drivers who have experience on the track in other series, but then some who have never stepped foot on the property. Ryan Blaney is one of those drivers who has a small amount of experience in the Truck Series and says the St. Louis market is very deserving of a cup race. The Cup Series now heads to the Gateway of the West and Worldwide Technology Raceway for the very first time. The NASCAR Xfinity Series and Camping World Truck Series have raced at the 1.25-mile oval off and on since 1997, but this will be the inaugural event for the Premier Series. This weekend will feature some drivers who have experience on the track in other series, but then some who have never stepped foot on the property. Ryan Blaney is one of those drivers who has a small amount of experience in the Truck Series and says the St. Louis market is very deserving of a cup race. Blaney has somewhat recent experience at the track, but Kurt Busch's experience there goes back over 20 years. His only time there was in the truck series in the year 2000. Bush is excited to get back and anticipates a great atmosphere surrounding the debut event. Yeah, anytime it's a, an inaugural event, a new market, you feel that energy around the race. Last year with Road America, it was off the charts, Nashville, was off the charts uh, it, you have that feel this year going into it uh, there's three days of track activity i'll be on the sim wednesday and I'll, it'll bring me back to when i raced there in the trucks i was there in the year 2000 running trucks and shifting down the back straightaway at gateway so i'm looking forward to it it's um it's a big phoenix and it's not quite darlington and so it has its own character already before we get there the younger Bush brother has more experience there than Kurt. Kyle won at the track in the Xfinity Series back in 2009. With it being a new event this weekend, there will be more of a traditional practice session. Bush says the additional practice will even the playing field in terms of drivers with less experience than others. Would say that, you know, just being able to run there before, having an idea of the racetrack itself um, would give you 
a little bit more than maybe somebody that's never been there before. But um, honestly, having a normal practice weekend, I think that it'll kind of shake out uh, pretty evenly at the end of the day. So look forward to getting back there. It's been a long time, and um, hopefully it's not too hot. Gateway's always hot. As far as what kind of racing to expect, many experts compare the track to Phoenix. Joey Logano sees the comparison and expects to see some great racing. I think Gateway's going to be a great race. Um, it's been a long time since I've been there, but I've been watching the truck races there. And, you know, it seems like a track where, you know, you get turns one and two that's high banked, really sharp. If they're shifting in a truck, they're definitely going to be shifting in a cup car now with the five speeds. Uh, and then you get the sweeping long three and four flat. But I think you get some tire wear there. You got an older surface. You got some bumps. You got some character in it. So I think it's going to be a great race. One driver who is going into the weekend almost blind is Corey LaJoy. The Spire Motorsports driver has only seen the track once, back when his dad drove there in the Xfinity Series. No, I've never even seen the place. Actually, I have seen the place as a kid. Uh, when my dad was there, we'd go on summer-long motorhome trips. So I've been there when I was probably seven on a bicycle, but I uh, haven't, haven't ever raced there. I know some of the guys have truck series experience there. We don't uh, we don't ever see the GM uh, simulator here, so it's tough to really get up to speed with what we're up against some other guys. You know, I'll jump on iRacing to, to run a little bit just to get some sight points and things like that. But really and truly, you got to figure out how to learn the place as quick as possible and make efficient changes to your car after practice since it's one of those open practice sessions. One thing is for sure this weekend, a rowdy crowd is expected. Joey Logano is excited for that. He points out how important it is for the sport to continue to expand into different markets. What we've seen in our sport here recently is when we go back to a racetrack or to a new racetrack at any any point, it brings so many new fans uh, to them. It's not many fans, not everyone can travel three hours, six hours, ten hours to a race. Right? Like that's a big commitment if you think about it. Um, so bringing races to new markets to fans that don't typically get to go, right? If it's just, a, hey, Sunday afternoon, let's go to watch a race. That's cool. And especially for a first-time fan that's maybe not as passionate about it quite yet because they haven't been to one, uh, it's huge to grow our sport. And so I, I think NASCAR has recognized that over the last couple of years, and we've seen all of us have seen the success of Road America and Nashville last year and you know, what, what can be with, with um, obviously, uh, going to Gateway. Logano has recently won the first race at the L.A. Coliseum and at the Bristol Dirt Track. Can he win another first this weekend? We'll find out on Sunday in the Enjoy Illinois 300. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, our Fred Armstrong has a deep history of racing in Portland, Oregon. He tells us the history of racing there and later A.J. Allmendinger. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's been a long time since NASCAR has been out west to the Pacific Northwest region. But this weekend, that changes as the NASCAR Xfinity Series will make its debut at the Portland International Raceway. Our very own Fred Armstrong has a strong history with the city He's here to tell us how Portland has a deeper connection to racing than you may think. It may seem like the hinterlands, but the Pacific Northwest is rich with NASCAR history. 
so competitors and fans alike rejoiced when the 2022 Xfinity Series schedule included the 1.9-mile, 12-turn Portland International Raceway road course. The June 4th event will be the first for the Xfinity Series at the historic track. And although the venue hosted NASCAR K&N Pro Series West events in 2009, 10, and 11, the Portland race will mark the return of a NASCAR National Touring Series after a 22-year hiatus. The last laps turned at PIR by a top-tier division were in 1999 and 2000, when the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series took on the twisting circuit and put on a show for the thousands in attendance. And the Motor Racing Network was there for flag-to-flag coverage. It was Memorial Day 1948 when a massive Columbia River flood wiped out the entire city of Vanport. Then in 1960, the site was purchased by the city of Portland, and shortly thereafter, racing began on what was the old city streets of Vanport. Now the streets are gone, replaced by a 12-turn state-of-the-art racing facility, the Portland International Raceway. Hello and good evening, everyone. I'm Fred Armstrong, alongside Mike Bagley. And Mike... A different kind of flood is going to hit this vicinity tonight, a flood of NASCAR Craftsman trucks. And a slew of excitement will be in pursuit, no doubt. Until this year, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series schedule has consisted of road course events at Heartland Park Topeka in Kansas, Watkins Glen International in upstate New York, and Sears Point Raceway in Northern California. This year, Portland International Raceway, or PIR, replaces Sears Point, and PIR has its own unique characteristics. A main straightaway of 2,330 feet, basically three-quarters of a mile, then 12 turns, some tight, some broad, sweeping and high speed. However, no elevation changes to contend with. Chassis setups, drivers, and sheet metal panels will definitely take a pounding tonight. Goes across 10, cuts it back across 11, gets on the binders, and downshifts coming back into turn 12. For the final time, it's Greg Biffle heading down the long front straightaway, looking for the second win of the season. Trying to pick up his second victory of his career. Greg Biffle, before a cheering hometown crowd, takes a checkered flag and Biffle has won the Granger 225. Let's head down to pit road. Andy Houston, six truck lakes ahead. Here comes Mike Wallace. Here comes Jack Sprague, Rick Crawford, and Jimmy Hensley. Andy Houston has no trouble as he comes back through turn 12. The final time, the Cat Rental Store Chevrolet will lead him off turn 12. Here they come now on the final lap down to the start-finish line. Andy Houston waits for the very last lap to make the move. He will win the Oregon 225 by nearly 10 truck links over Dennis Setzer. NASCAR Senior Vice President of Strategy and Innovation, Ben Kennedy, was a very young man when the last checkers fell in the Rose City, and the France family heir couldn't be happier that NASCAR racing returns to the region. We're adding to the 22 schedule is the addition of Portland International Raceway. Uh, To schedule 22 years, it'll be um, since we've been in the Pacific Northwest with NASCAR. It's been an important part of you know, our country that we felt like is important for us to be in. We've seen a lot of growth from a fan perspective in the Pacific Northwest, and it's important for us to get back there and and do it in a meaningful way with Green Savory Productions and the, the rest of the team out there. The Pacific Northwest, and Portland in particular, has a rich racing history dating back to the very beginnings of motorsport in America. In 1909, Burt Dingley won the seven-lap IndyCar event in the Chalmers Detroit Bluebird. The one-hour and 14-minute race ran on a 14-mile temporary circuit, and Portland's fascination with open-wheel Indy-style racing was born. It would be several decades before a permanent road racing home literally rose from the remnants of disaster, when a dike failure and subsequent major flood 
wiped out the small city of Vanport, Oregon on Memorial Day 1948, leaving behind a ghostly patchwork of paved roads. In 1960, racetracks were springing up all across America, and the city of Portland saw potential in the abandoned roads to create a multi-use motorsports facility surrounded by a picturesque city park. Officials made the dream a reality, acquiring the property and converging the pavement into a raceable circuit. The first big event at PIR was the 1961 Rose Cup Race, an open competition sports car event promoted as part of the Portland Rose Festival and won by Seattle, Washington native Jerry Grant. By 1965, the popular track hosted a myriad of drag, motorcycle, and kart races on a regular basis. IndyCar returned to Portland from 1984 through 2007, and PIR never disappointed fans, serving up some of the closest finishes in IndyCar history. In 1986, Mario Andretti beat son Michael to the line by seven one-hundredths of a second. And in 1997, Mark Blundell bested Jill DeFerrin and Raul Boisel by just two one-hundredths of a second. Just a few minutes away to the east of Portland International Raceway are the remains of Portland Speedway, a dismantled half and quarter mile paved oval that stood as a beacon of NASCAR for decades. Constructed in 1924, the facility continuously operated until 2001 and hosted NASCAR Weekly, Northwest Tour, and K&N Pro Series West events over its lifetime. Some of NASCAR's greatest drivers cut laps there, including Bobby Allison, Derek Cope, Greg Biffle, Ken Schrader, and Herschel McGriff. From 1995 to 1998, the track promoted four NASCAR Truck Series clashes, with Mike Skinner, Ron Hornaday Jr., Rich Bickle, and Stacy Compton taking the checkers. At the turn of the century, Portland Speedway converted its surface to clay, attracting the world of outlaw sprint cars and local dirt racers during the final two years of operation. As NASCAR returns to the Pacific Northwest, it reclaims territory and fans long established over the decades and ready to embrace the sights, sounds, and superstars of the world's greatest stock car racing. Thank you, Fred. A big moment for NASCAR to make its return to that region of the country this weekend. Coming up, the only active NASCAR Xfinity Series driver who has won at Portland International Raceway, A.J. Allmendinger will join us. And later, we've got This Week in NASCAR History with Susie Armstrong. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. A.J. Allmendinger is the only active driver who holds a win at Portland International Raceway. Matter of fact, he went to victory lane in 2006 in the Champ Car Grand Prix of Portland. Steve Post sat down with him to get his thoughts on NASCAR returning to that venerable road course. One turn away from NASCAR win number one for A.J. Allmendinger. He'll make the right-hand turn on number 14, and the next stop is Victory Lane. A.J. Allmendinger is headed to the stripe. While other teams litter the traps off the racetrack, no problems for Allmendinger. He won here in the Kart IndyCar Series in 2006. He'll win here today for his first NASCAR Nationwide Series victory at Road America. What's the expectation uh, for these Xfinity cars on that road course? And it's been 16 years, and you haven't been back since that win in 2006. But six. But what what do you think we're going to see? What do you think you're going to face up there? Yeah, I mean, I, I first of all, I think it's going to be a great race. It's really cool. Something about Portland, 
Uh, you know, I went there six years in a row, basically between I did a karting race there in 2001 before the Champ Car race, raced Barber Dodge, Toyota Atlantics, and through Champ Car. So I, I was there for, for six years. The the fan base up in the Northwest there is is huge in motorsports. And, you know, I think we've all talked about it in NASCAR, right, that what we lack sometimes is going up in that area. So to be able to bring a, a, a top-tier NASCAR race, whether it's cup or xfinity or trucks to the northwest is a big deal so hopefully we get a huge crowd out there hopefully the weather's good that's something up there part of the reason why i think we don't race there is never know the weather so get some good weather but i think the racetrack is uh it's 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 narrow it's a short lap time so you're gonna see a lot of action you're gonna have to really kind of rough each other up i think at times to pass each other it's easy to make a mistake it's because it's so narrow. If you hang a wheel off the racetrack, you're going to go sliding for a while through the grass. There's a couple of sections in the racetrack where if you make a mistake, you pay a big price for it. So I think there's going to be a lot of challenges. Uh, as a driver, you're going to have to really mentally stay in it. It's not the most physically demanding racetrack, but mentally you're going to have to stay in it because if you make a small error around really most of this racetrack, you pay a big price for it. What are what are a couple of the characteristics or key spots in the racetrack? You know, always talk about the S's at Watkins Glen. We used to do the carousel. I think we used to do it at Sonoma. It's been back and forth. What are, are there? Are there a couple of key areas that fans, as they listen to MRN and, and, and watch along the way, are going to need to keep an eye on up there? Oh, uh, front straightaway. The the first turn chicane. Like it, it's so in Champ Car. You know, we don't we do the the initial start was was side by side, right? And then you'd have single file restarts. Well. With uh, NASCAR racing, we don't have that. They're they're side by side every time. So, you know, I felt like always you had to hold your breath just a little bit in Indy cars and Champ car on the start. And if you got through the start, you're like, well, every time we have a, a start and restart now, it's going to be like that in Xfinity. It's really wide down the front straightaway. So you feel like on a, on a start, you're like, man, we can go four or five wide. Well, that chicane, it's quite tight. So... Once you get to the brakes, you know, your eyes are so wide, like, okay, I got all this room to pass. And then it's like, okay, it narrows up really quick. So I think the the starts and restarts are going to be absolutely chaotic and insane every time, especially a late race restart. Uh, so I think that's really the, the biggest spot that comes to mind. Um, the, the, the rest of the infield's kind of self-explanatory, although it is a little different than the last time I ran there. Uh, the, the corner that goes on to the back straightaway used to be more of a sweeping corner. Well, now it's like a 180. So there could be a lot of dive bomb, T-bone moves going into there. Uh, so that could be a bit different as well. But yeah, it's uh, that start and restart, uh, we're going to be holding our breath every time we go down in there. Did you say T-bone? I understand dive bomb and I understand slide jobs. I don't know. T-bone moves? <laughs> so... The, the, the corner now of running it on sim and watching it in the IndyCar races now, the best line to get the maximum speed is you set out really wide to try to get the car turned early to get the throttle as early as you can to get down the back straightaway. Well, literally, if you do that and somebody comes spearing down the inside, you could almost be facing each other like this as you go down in the corner to where it is a T-bone move. So... You're going to have to watch out for it. That's what's going to be tough because if you got somebody behind you, you're really going to have to defend, and it's going to hurt your, your straightaway speed on the back straightaway. So uh, I could see a lot of action happening there as well. 
Can anybody do anything with Omendinger? Here they come. Final approach into the carousel. Dinger will dive down to the inside of the racetrack. He'll give the mirrors one final check. He'll sling that car into turn 13. Checkered flag is waving at the start-finish line. And A.J. Omendinger wins the B&L Transport 170 at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. A.J., you've been around uh, the Xfinity Series for some time now. The evolution of these race cars um, and, and you won at Coda not too long ago. Um, how have these cars evolved and in, in, into road racing cars over as you guys have, have worked on these cars for over the years? Yeah, you know, it's I just look at, at NASCAR as a whole, um, not so much the truck series because I haven't a lot of uh, ran a lot of races in it. But, you know, the Xfinity and the Cup Series, you know, these cars used to be it, it's for me, the easy way to explain it is you feel like you know, 15 years ago when I started, these cars were a thousand pounds heavier than they are now. Well, they're not really, right? They're about the same weight, maybe a touch lighter now, but they feel like, and they drive like, and when you're on the brakes and things like that, how they maneuver, how quick and nimble they are, they feel like they're a ton lighter now because the evolution of these cars, the brakes, um, just the setups, getting the cars lower to the ground, uh, they everything happens quicker now. And, you know, I, I, quite honestly, I used to hate, when I first got into the sport, hate driving these cars on road courses. I preferred them on on ovals, even though I was a road course guy. They just weren't a lot of fun to drive on road courses. But over the last, I'd say, you know, in the Cup Series, when they they took out the ride height rule and you slammed the cars to the ground, they were a lot quicker. The Xfinity cars, even though we still have a a height rule, they're, they're still fairly close to the ground now. So... They're just a lot more fun to drive. You can be a lot later on the brakes. Uh, you know, even the the downshifting of the cars, everything happens quicker now. So it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. The evolution of the cars, the setups and things like that have uh, have really improved over the time that I've been in NASCAR. When I look at your season to date here, as we're a dozen or so races into it, you have the win at Coda. Um, I guess I didn't realize this. You you know, every race is you know top ten finishes across the board. Um, you guys, you guys look like you've had a pretty solid start to the season there. Yeah, Steve. It's I guess it's good and bad because we've been really consistent, and that was something I tried to focus on and, and preach at least to our our sixteen group that you know because last year, especially early in the regular season. As we were getting our footing, we, we we made some execution errors. I at times overdrove the car, uh, tried to get too much out of it. So I felt like this year I really tried to focus on, okay, maximize every race. If it's an eighth place car, maybe you can make it a seventh or sixth place car, but don't make it a 15th place car. And that's kind of what we've done. Uh, I, I will say, I think we all would agree. We wish we were competing for more wins during these races, especially take out the road courses and you take out kind of the super speedway racetracks uh as a whole we haven't really been up front we've just been there so that's something we're focusing on is trying to get more speed out of our race cars but while we're doing that we're making sure we're maximizing every weekend and getting what we can and that's why it's kind of put us where we are in points we definitely haven't been that car that's been the car to beat every weekend but you know we're doing what we can because we will figure it out at college racing We'll get the speed in the race cars for the playoffs and in that in that stretch run. Uh, but right now, while we're not having that speed, we're making sure that we're getting the best finishes possible. Thank you, Posty. Coming up, we've got this week in NASCAR history. 
This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Checkered flag set to fly for this week's NASCAR Live. We've heard from Fred Armstrong earlier in the show. Now it's time to hear from the better half. Susie Armstrong is here with This Week in NASCAR History. Thanks, Mike. 1986. Madonna fans were alive and well, sending the pop single Live to Tell to the top of the charts. Tennis superstar Chris Everett beat Martina Navratilova 6-3 in the final set of the French Open for her 18th Grand Slam title and record 7th French Open singles crown. And Darrell Waltrip kept it between the tram lines, slinging the Junior Johnson Budweiser Chevrolet to victory in the Bud 400 at Riverside International Raceway. Trouble at turn one. Labonte has crashed hard. He has hit the outside retaining wall, and the car has gone up and over the wall, knocking right through the two strands of Armco Barrier. Caution is on the racetrack immediately. And racing to the caution flag were Waltrip and Richmond, and it is Waltrip by just a car length. At the caution flag, Daryl Waltrip takes the caution and the white flag simultaneously. They will come around, and should he be able to complete this final lap, Waltrip will win the event. Nineteen ninety-seven, Oklahoma pop rockers Isaac Taylor and Zach, aka Hanson, ruled the radio with the mega hit "Mbop." Adjudication comes to a close with a guilty verdict in the Oklahoma City bombing trial. Rom-com queen Julia Roberts and Dermot Mulroney ready to march into theaters as Sony Pictures announced the release of the soon-to-be box office hit "My Best Friend's Wedding." And Ricky Rudd was a smash on the concrete, dominating the closing laps at Dover to claim the Miller 500. Mark right up on Rudd's back bumper, trying to get to him. He tries to cut low off of four. Here is Ricky Rudd going to manage to hold on and beat Mark Martin to the checkered flag. Ricky Rudd wins the Miller 500, extending his string of consecutive wins to 15 straight years on the NASCAR Winston Cup circuit. Shake that thing, miss. Can I, can I shake that thing, miss? Hannah Bella, shake that thing. Yeah, Donna, Donna, Jordi, and Rebecca. 2003, Jamaican dancehall recording artist Sean Paul was atop the charts with party song, Get Busy. Martha Stewart stepped down as CEO of her vast business empire as the Justice Department indicts the media mogul on nine federal counts, including securities fraud and obstruction of justice. NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory lit the first stage of a Delta II rocket, sending the Mars rover Spirit into orbit and off to the Red Planet for a six-year mission. And Ryan Newman was red hot at Dover, leading 162 laps to win the MBNA Armed Forces Family 400. So far, so good for Ryan Newman. The all-tail dodge down to the inside lane of the racetrack, swinging wide, almost making contact with the concrete, but he keeps it off the wall. Back to turn three as Ryan Newman leads the way. For the third time in his Winston Cup career, Ryan Newman is going to victory lane the second time this year after winning earlier at the Texas Motor Speedway. Newman wins by eight-tenths of a second over Jeff Gordon. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. Also, we'd like to thank Curtis Francois, the president of Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, and A.J. Allmendinger for joining us. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you as well for tuning in. 
Can't wait to get to St. Louis. Can't wait to get to Portland. So long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.